welcome to episode number 170 of the Pioneering Today podcast. My name is Melissa K. Norris, and this is the place where we inspire you to have a homegrown and handmade life with easy steps to take your food from seed to table to jar for homegrown eating year-round. And we will be talking some today about eating that homegrown food year-round, but today's episode specifically, we're going to be talking about getting yourself and your household ready for big events. Now, I'm actually talking big events like weather, kind of emergency type things, or when you can't get to the grocery store, which for a homesteader, or those of us who are doing the pioneering today living, those old-fashioned skill sets in this modern world, we like to be ready and have the things on hand at home so that we are self-reliant, kind of no matter what. But when a big old snowstorm hits your area, it's even more important that you've got all of these things in place already. At the time of this recording, it has been snowing on our homestead for almost 24 hours straight and has dumped over a foot of snow on top of snow accumulation we had already received. We live in the Pacific Northwest. I'm on the west side of the North Cascade mountain range, tucked right up into the foothills. And I'm kind of midpoint, but in those foothills between Seattle and the Canadian border. So it is not unusual for us to get snowfall and to have some really cold temps for a few weeks. But on a typical average winter, we don't usually have months and months and months of snow and really frigid temps. But this February, man, she is coming in wild and crazy and strong a little bit this year. Last week, we had temps that were down in single digits. We had wind chill factors that actually put us down even lower than that into negative digits. It was really, really cold. Now, we're used to the teens and the low 20s. We don't usually dip down quite that cold. Then we had 60-mile-plus-per-hour winds that came down through the, from the Fraser River Valley in Canada, and they funnel down in the valley that I live up in the mountains, actually, from Ross Lake, and they funnel right through our homestead. So they were some wicked, very cold whipping winds that came through. Then we had a small snowstorm. We lost power for a few, uh, it was only about four or five hours, which for here, that's like nothing. That's like blinking your eyes. Usually when we lose power, it's anywhere from 24 hours, then up to almost two weeks. Over Christmas, it was five days. So usually when our power goes out, we know it's going to be out for a good long stretch. Then we got one round of snowstorm, a little bit of a break, and like I said, we've got almost probably a foot and a half in some places with drifts and just the way it's fallen, close to two feet of snow right now, and it's still snowing as I'm recording this for you. Now leading up to the snowstorm, of course, you have the news media, which was calling it, oh my goodness, I don't know, Snowmageddon. They had all of these crazy names, and the first forecast that we had was only for eight inches of snow. And I'm going to share this story with you. You guys, I'm not kidding. There was certain areas of Washington state before the snow had even hit the ground. I'm, I'm talking, it hadn't even snowed yet, had called and declared a state of emergency. I think you can tell from the infliction in my voice what I think about that. I was a little bit embarrassed to say I was in Washington state when I saw that go down. <laughs> 
<laughs> we'll just leave it at that. Then you had in the stores, I'm not kidding, there were lines longer than Black Friday. No milk, I mean no dairy whatsoever, no bread, no fresh produce, nothing. The store shelves were wiped empty over an 8-inch predicted snowstorm. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't like to drive in a bunch of really deep snow. Actually, I don't mind driving in snow, especially if you have four-wheel drive. My car is a Honda Accord. It does not have four-wheel drive. It doesn't have all-wheel drive. It's front-wheel drive, which goes pretty good as long as the snow is not too deep because it is a car. Now, my husband, he has four-wheel drive and a large truck. And so when we have really deep snow, obviously, his truck works just fine. But normally, he's taking his truck back and forth to work. So I've just got my car when it snows. But I would much rather drive in snow than I would ice. So I understand people getting stuff, getting some fresh milk, whatever, and not wanting to have to come out in a big snowstorm. But I cannot imagine being that panicked and the conversations that were going on in the storylines, which I wasn't there. It was coming third party from a very reliable third party source. And if you're on my email newsletter, you know a little bit more of that story. My mom had went to town and it was after work. And so she had saved getting her milk until she got off of work. So it wasn't, you know, sitting in a warm car for a long period of time. And we don't really pay attention to the weather a whole lot up here. And I mean, an eight inch snowstorm, my parents live right up the road from us. So we've lived in this area. I've lived here my entire life. My parents are from this area. My dad moved here when he was five years old from North Carolina. My mom was born and raised in this general vicinity. You're like, oh, okay, if I'm going to get something, you know, I probably better get it. But we don't really panic over that amount of snow. We just kind of, you know, you learn to deal with it. And so my mom, when she went to the store and she saw that there was no dairy, she thought, oh, they must have like missed a delivery or something. And then she sees all of these other empty shelves and she had to ask them. She's like, what is going on? And they're like, well, we're supposed to get all of this snow coming. And she's like, oh, huh. <laughs> and kind of, you know, left it at that. Now, like I said, I understand that. Not everybody has mobility and availability to get around if there's going to be a whole bunch of snow and to going into the store and getting some supplies. But the level of panic and the way everything was wiped clear and just the way that people were talking, I found it actually incredibly sad. And I'm hoping, hoping that for a lot of people that found themselves in that situation, that they will take this as an opportunity to realize that they are ill-prepared and that they will begin to take the steps to become more prepared. And I think, I mean, if you're listening to the Pioneering Today podcast, then I've got a pretty good hunch that you are someone who is already developing these skill sets and who is learning more about becoming self-sufficient and making things homemade and having things on hand. We're in a really unique opportunity when these type of events come, because it's a wake up period for a lot of people. Now, not unfortunately, not for everybody, but for a lot of people, this can be an opportunity for those of us who are a little bit further down the path to say, hey, let me show you or let me teach you how to bake bread so that you don't have to run out when a storm is coming. And if the store is sold out, then your family is left without bread. Let me teach you how to make it. We have so much opportunity in these situations for one people to realize and to be like, hey, Maybe I need to look into becoming a little bit more prepared and not relying on the stores. And two, for those of us who do have more experience to reach out and have this as a teaching opportunity, spread the knowledge and spread the word and so that more people are prepared. So I kind of think it actually can be a really great thing, though I am honestly saddened to see that there's that many people 
out there still who don't have supplies on hand in their homes and or the know-how to bake their own bread so then they don't have to run out when this storm is coming and brave these long lines or maybe not have it, but they can do all of this at home. So I thought that this would be a great time now that you've got that big old long lead in in this episode to talk about the steps that we take on our homestead when we know a big weather event like this is coming where we have a high likelihood of losing power and or not really being able to get to the stores or the stores might not really have anything to get by the time that we do get there. I have a feeling that this will probably be at least a two-part episode. So I'm going to tell you what we do And then I want you guys to go, you can either go to the blog post. So every podcast episode has a completely written blog post that accompanies it. So you can find that at melissaknorris.com forward slash 170 for 170, episode number 170. You can leave it in the review section on whatever, if you're on iTunes or Stitcher, whatever app you're listening to this podcast on, you can leave it there in the review section. You can shoot me an email, message me on Instagram or Facebook. But I would love to know what steps you would need help with in getting to the place that we are or building up perhaps your own skill sets or your pantry. Like what areas are you like, okay, I really need to know how to do this. So I'm going to share what we do. And then part two will be based upon the questions and things that you guys submit in to me. Okay. Okay. So here goes. When I know that a likelihood of power, big storms coming through, The first thing that I do is I run water into our bathtubs. Now, the reason I do this is because we are on our own private well, and when the electricity goes out, I don't have electricity to pump my well, therefore I do not have any water. Now, we're also on our own private septic system, which means I can flush toilets, and my septic system works just fine, but I gotta have water to put in the toilets to flush. So that's why we fill up the bathtubs with water, and then that is our toilet flushing water, And of course, you know, you can use it for, you'd probably boil it if we were going to be washing dishes with it. It wouldn't be my drinking water because even though I try to keep a clean tub, you get my drift. Second thing I do is I fill up the tea kettle. Then I fill up any of our extra pitchers and tea things, anything that can hold a gallon or more water. I go ahead and fill that up with water, fill up water bottles. We do have some water we keep in reserve in plastic, but honestly, I don't like to use that very much because when it's water and plastic and over time it breaks down. So I keep a few different glass pitchers and containers that I can just fill up with water ahead of time and just have those ready to go. Then, of course, I go out and I need to fill up all of the livestock's water. Now, this is really important for us because we have a herd of cattle and I've got my chickens. We also have our dog and I've got the chickens in the chicken coop. They need water. And when it's cold out, like this is a big snowstorm, any of your livestock and or animals are going to actually go through as much or more water when it is really cold out than they do when it is hot out because they are burning more fuel to keep themselves warm when the temperatures are cold. So making sure that they have got fresh water that is not frozen, especially if they're out in the elements or even in a somewhat of a shelter, but not like a you know really warm barn, they need to have more water. You will see that they go through more water. You may even be surprised. So that's like number one priority is making sure the livestock tanks are totally topped off. All of the chickens watering containers are totally topped off and warm. And then when it's this cold out in our pump house, we keep a heat lamp and then I can rotate. I don't keep plugged in the chicken coop any type of water warmers. I just don't have one. We do keep a water livestock tank heater 
We keep that plugged in that keeps it from freezing. And we have a big old cast iron bathtub, like really old one. That has been our stock water tank. We have six cows right now, six cattle. So that's been our water tank forever. So I'm not worried about if it's flo it floats. They're actually, I just adore it, but you have to plug it in. And it sits on top and it floats. The beauty of not having a plastic stock water tank is if for some reason the water did get all the drained out or the cows were to bump it and it goes up against the side of the tub, it's not going to burn or melt a cast iron tub. Now, if it were plastic, there's a possibility. I have several containers that I keep the chicken's water in and then I can rotate them inside the pump house because we keep the pump house warm provided we have electricity and then I can rotate them in so that when one gets frozen I can put it in there it will thaw out and so that I'm rotating through having containers that aren't frozen solid when it is that cold that they have got water that they can drink all throughout the day. So you can see water is a big priority for us and our animals because without electricity I don't have the availability to get fresh water. Now, I know y'all are like, well, Melissa, why don't you guys have a generator? Well, we do have a generator, which brings me to my next point. We make sure that we've got plenty of fuel on hand for said generator. But the generator that we have is not large enough to run and power a well. You need a generator and the freezers, deep freezers and refrigerators, which is our main priority when the power goes out. Now, this time of year, we have one big freezer that's actually out in our pump house. So when the power goes out, it's full of meat and it's cold enough right now that it really wouldn't matter if the power went out. That big deep freezer would be fine with everything in it as long as it stayed shut and sealed outside for at least a few days or longer. I mean, obviously, if the temperatures are down in the teens or single digits, it's going to be just fine. But inside the house, we've got our refrigerator and then we also have an upright freezer. The reason that we have so many freezers is because we raise 100 percent of our own meat, which means I need a place to store 100% of our meat. So when we butcher in the fall, then a full cow, full pig, we do in the summertime, usually between 15 and 20 meat chickens. So then therefore that's 15 to 20 whole chickens that I need a spot for in the freezer. On the years that my husband is fortunate enough to get venison, then I need freezer space for the venison. We also get salmon from my husband's work. He gets a fish bonus, so we are so, so fortunate. And then we also go crabbing ourselves in the little bay in our little tiny little 17-foot ski boat. We go crabbing and get a year's worth of crab, and we have that frozen too. Yes, you can can meat, absolutely. We don't have a freeze dryer, and I do can some of our meat, but I don't can all of that meat. So I have some meat that is in cans, and we usually can up quite a bit of the venison. But my freezers are the primary spot where we keep all of our meat. And a few things that don't really lend themselves well to canning, which would be summer squash, spinach, those are things that I'm not going to can and then use later. So very limited produce, a few things of fruit. I do like to have some frozen blueberries and frozen raspberries from here on our farm. The homestead that I keep in the freezer that I haven't, or I may plan on turning into, I just haven't got to yet, into jam and jelly but usually all of my pie filling and the majority of my jams and jellies, I can up in the fall right after the heat of summer after I've canned most of our vegetables. So I have like four to 500 plus jars of canned food, but it's the things and the produce that come out of the garden and then the meat stays in our freezer. So I share all that with you <laughs> so that you know why we have two full-size freezers and why it's so important that we don't lose what's in them. And so the generator that we do have 
it goes back and forth between powering those freezers, but it's not large enough to power our pump and our well with the size that we have. So we're set for lights. We can run a lamp or two off of the generator even while it's doing the freezers, but I have got an oil lantern or an oil lamp, and that puts off a light more light than a candle. I make my own candles. I do beeswax and lard candles and mason jars, so we've got plenty of candles. We've got the headlamps, which are wonderful when it gets dark early and you still have to go do livestock chores. The headlamps that you put on so that your hands are free. We have quite a few of those, so we can use those throughout the house. But for the oil lamp, because it really does put off the most light, I always make sure that I've got my wick and that the oil lamp is full and I have backup oil lamp in the closet. That way, if I go and get my oil lamp out to refill up, so I always fill up that oil lamp and I'm like, ooh, I'm out, then at least my oil lamp is full and I know I'll have at least a few days worth of the powers out, close to a week, just burning it for a few hours in the evening time before I can get new oil lamp. And that is the process that I use for almost everything in our house and with our food and being stocked with our pantry, which I can get into a little bit more in the next episode. And I will, because I think that's where a lot of you guys will have questions is building up that pantry so that you essentially have a store within your home, a back store, but also like a grocery store that I can go shopping from. So because I know our food is set, like I've got plenty of food, I don't have to worry about going to the grocery store. Those are my top priorities, running the water, making sure that the oil lamp is totally full. And then if I've got time, like they're forecasting like tonight, it's supposed to hit or whatnot, then I will start to look around. I'm like, okay, so yesterday, because when our power goes out and when we have this much snow coming down, I'm not going to be going outside in almost two feet of snow and trying to bake in my Dutch oven. I can't use my sun oven because there's no sun. Basically, I'm going to be using my wood stove so I can fry or heat things up on top of it, but I can't do a whole lot of baking. And they make things like a baking box on your wood stove that you can put kind of above it and around the chimney. We haven't gotten one of those, but it's something I'm going to look into in the future. But if we don't have a huge amount of snow or it's like raining super, super hard, I will bake outside in my cast iron Dutch oven using coals all of the time. Just this particular storm. It's not going to suit itself well to this much snow and the way that the wind was blowing to try to bake outside in it. So yesterday, I did up a whole bunch of, I did sourdough blueberry muffins, I did regular sourdough dinner rolls, and baked, and then I made a big pot of beef stew, knowing that I can easily heat up that beef stew on top of the wood stove if the power goes out, and then we've got leftovers of all these other items that we can have for dinner, bread, all of those things. But they're baked up ahead of time, and we'll eat them regardless. That way, if the power does go out, I don't have to worry about trying to bake these items. Now, back to the generator. I'm hip-hopping a little bit on you guys here, hopping around. But to the generator, we don't have our generator hardwired into our house. What we do right now is we've got it stored, and then we fire it up, and we run an extension cord from the generator through the window into the house, and then I've got a plug-in, you know, those multi-plug-ins that you plug in. Power strip. There we go. Power strip. And then we'll run extension cords, and we have extension cords that we know exactly. This one's going to reach the freezer. This one's going to reach the fridge. This one's going to reach, you know, the lamp. And so we've got it pretty much down to a system, but it is kind of a pain to constantly be pulling all these extension cords out. Then when it is dark out, having the extension cords on the floor in case someone were to trip on them. We haven't had that happen, but it could. And just pulling the freezer and the fridge out far enough to grab and plug that all in. 
but because it's not really big enough, especially to do our hot water tank, we haven't hardwired it into our house, but that's actually what we're going to be doing. We're looking at some different generators and I'll probably, when we finally decide on the one that we're getting and go through the whole process, probably will be a YouTube video, a podcast episode and a blog post, which speaking of YouTube video, you guys, my YouTube channel, she is up and I've had videos. I've been posting there for a while, but not on a really consistent basis, but that is my goal for this year, 2019. I'm going to be posting a YouTube tutorial video for you guys every single week on Wednesdays. So you'll want to get yourself on over there and make sure that you're subscribed and check out the videos. So probably coming will be a generator video, but <laughs> right now I'm, we're really researching it and we know that we need one that's at least probably 10,000 running watts. And so we're trying to decide which is the best brand, which one we want to get, and that way then once we get it, it can be hardwired into our power box. The reason we're not going to hardwire it into our house where our electrical box is, is because our pump house is out in the field where our pump is. It's also where our chicken coop is. And it is not hardwired into our house. It's hardwired to the electric box that's outside our home. So in order for us to run our house and the pump, we actually need it to be hardwired into that electrical box that's outside, not the one in our home. And that's why that that thing needs to have at least 10,000 running watts, running watts, not starting watts. Starting watts are actually going to be higher when you're looking at a generator. So anyways, that's what we're looking at. And then when that happens, then we can just turn power up that generator and anything in the house that like we would just not use the microwave. You know, there'd be certain things that we wouldn't use. It probably could power the microwave. We don't use the microwave a whole lot, but we're definitely not using the microwave. Then we would have to see with the load on it from the pump and all of the different freezers and everything, we would maybe just turn off the hot water tank so that it wasn't trying to do that and then just heat water up on the stove if we needed it. Anyways, that's a little bit off subject, but one of the things that we're looking at that will make us more prepared. And it also really, now you would think homestead wise, but I work from home. So I do all of the podcast episodes right now. I'm recording this podcast episode and really hoping the power doesn't go out. I'm also working on book edits this week. So my book, you guys, I'm so excited for this book. It comes out in January 7th of 2020. So less than a year, less than a year, 11 months from now, it comes out. And I'm so excited. I'll be sharing more about it as we get closer. But I have to get it back to my editor in the publishing house. I'm supposed to get it back to him this week. So I've been working really hard on the edits that they sent back and asked me to do. So when the power goes out my internet goes out. And because we don't have the generator going through the house, it's a different wavelength of power. And I get really nervous about plugging in my computers and running them off of the generator, especially because our generator does surge a little bit when the freezers and the fridges go because it doesn't have a huge amount of running watts on it. And I don't like to run my computers on it. But now that, I, now that I'm working solely from home and we lose power and I don't have internet, we really need to get something that's will run our whole household, especially when I have deadlines. And so I can get stuff out to help you guys too. The other things that I do and when I know that the storm is coming is I make sure that any extra laundry is done. Because when the power's been out for multiple days, sometimes a week at a time, trust me, you're going to have a lot of laundry to take care of when it finally comes back on. You do not want to be starting already behind. With our laundry, I try to stay on top of it so that I have no more than one load of dirt, dirty laundry at a time to do. So what I do is 
pretty much every morning I will put a load of laundry in and wash it. And I try to get it in before 8 a.m. Because did you know this? Not all, but most power companies before 8 a.m. on weekdays, not sure on weekends, I'll have to check that out, but at least on weekdays, you are charged a lesser amount of power. So it's cheaper for you to use things before 8 a.m. during the week. So I try to get a load of laundry in before then so that I'm saving money that way. So one load goes in, gets washed, and then this time of year when it's snowing this hard, I'm not putting it out on the line. We're actually not freezing, so I can't really even freeze dry it. And I sometimes will use the rack that you set up next to the fireplace, but when we have a lot of snow, that rack is pretty much usually full with all of the kids' snow gear coming in and out from them going outside and playing with it. So I will use the dryer. I don't use the dryer at all about six months of the year when weather allows me to put it outside. But right now, I will put the load in, then transfer it to the dryer and get it dry, and then it gets folded and put away all the same day. So I don't take clean clothes out of the dryer and then like put them in a pile somewhere to get to later. I like as soon as they're done for out of the dryer, I want them folded and put up. That way they don't get extra wrinkles. I'm not a big ironer. I try not to buy clothes that need to be ironed. I'm just being totally honest, just not my thing. So that way, every night, by the time I go to bed, that load has been washed, dried, folded, put away. And then that way, if I do miss a day or something happens, I've only, you know, got maybe two loads that need to be done. So it's just very doable. And that's the way I prefer to stay on top of laundry. So I never have like this huge amount to get to. So I make sure all the laundry is done up ahead of time. Now, this is provided I've been watching the weather and you've got enough time to do all of this. But this is kind of what I did. And we knew these storms were coming. Then the next thing I do is dishes. So I make sure that all of the dishes are clean. I put if the dishwasher is full with dirty dishes, I make sure that that gets run and then all those clean dishes get put up. Then if the power goes out, I've got because I don't have running water, then I've got the empty dishwasher to put all of the dirty dishes into so they're not piling up in the sink. And then if the power goes out and we look at the estimated time or can just tell from how many other power outages are out in our surrounding area, that is when I will use paper plates just because, like I said, I have been without running water and power for almost up to two weeks before. And so I will pull out paper plates and use those just in a power outage situation. I don't normally use paper plates. I actually have Blue Willow dishes that I started in my Hope chest collecting a full set when I was about oh, eight, nine years old. And they are the original dishes that I collected in my hope chest that I first got married with. And my husband and I will be celebrating 20 years of marriage this September. And they're my same dishes. So I don't use paper plates very often, but I do keep them in reserve for this. But if you can get all of your dishes done up beforehand and that dishwasher empty, then you've got a pot spot to put said dirty dishes while the power is out. So that's kind of my top priority things that I run through and that I do when I know a storm is coming and a power outage is coming. And as you noticed, going to the store and getting supplies and food is not one of the things that we do. So quick recap. First thing I do, run the bathtubs with water. So I got water to flush said toilets. Second thing is fill up any container. I kind of do it at the same time. It's simultaneously, but fill up containers with water, preferably glass if you have them. Fill up a whole bunch of containers with water so that you have good, fresh drinking water. Next, get that livestock's waters filled up. Second thing, make sure that you have gas to run the generator if you have a generator and plan on running it. 
Third, make sure that all of your oil lamps are filled with oil. And if you're using the last of the reserve, get it put on order or your list, however it is that you get it. I usually order my lamp oil, honestly, from Amazon Prime. So I will stick it on there for my next time I place an order shipment wise. Do any laundry that you have that needs to be done and then get all of the dishes clean so that you're starting with everything being clean in the event that you don't have water, running water, hot water. And even if you do, it just makes it so much nicer to have all of that done. And then if it's a type of storm where you have a lot of snow, which we do right now, you have more time available to go out and play in it. I do try to play in it a little bit, but we are shoveling out chicken coops, shoveling walkways, shoveling off the roof of the greenhouse. Like I've got extra chores that have to be done outside when we have a whole bunch of snow. So it frees up my time for that. Then also look at what you're going to be having for those meals. And if there's anything that you can bake up ahead of time that will be done that you guys can eat on for the next few days, thinking you might not have an oven to bake in, do so. And when it comes to raising your own meat and raising your own food and having it preserved, all of those wonderful things, one, we'll talk about that some more in part two, because that'll be dealing more kind of with the pantry and the system that we use. But I'm going to be having coming up in March some special free classes where I teach on how we raise a year's worth of food and we'll also have open enrollment to the Pioneering Today Academy. Now, none of this is open or available now. I'm just letting you all know that it's coming. It's going to be in March. So you'll want to make sure you're on my email list or you keep your ears tuned to the podcast, which I will announce when all of that is available. I'm going to have some free master classes laying all of this out and teaching it. And that's what we do inside the Pioneering Today Academy is teach you how to grow and raise a year's worth of your own food and so much more. But like I said, that's not even open. It will be in March. So just giving you a heads up because I've had quite a few people asking me when we would be opening again and if I would be teaching these classes again. And yes, coming in March. So now we have our verse of the week and we are in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Verse 8, and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. And I thought that was just a great and applicable verse for this time, because no matter if you are in a snowstorm, a financial storm, a windstorm, a rainstorm, maybe you're in a drought, and these could be actually physical weather things, they Maybe where you feel emotionally or spiritually, but just know that no matter what you are going through, that his grace is bigger and abounds more than that. It's extended to you and you will have all that you need in him. And I know it always doesn't seem like it, especially when we're going through really hard things, but I have found when I go through really difficult times, that when I start to focus on God, and I know that can sound trite, especially when you're in a lot of pain or you're going through something, but honestly, truly, sometimes it's with hindsight, sometimes it's within the moment, but those are the times when I look back and I really do see the Lord's hand and that I felt the closest to him or see what he was doing in my life and how much he was there, even when I didn't necessarily know it. And those are the times that I really grow the most in him. Okay, guys, I'm going to get this 
cut off so that I can get it hopefully published. The power in the internet holds so that I can get this out to you. I want to thank you so much for joining me on this episode. I hope you gleaned some helpful things and I can't wait to hear in the comments or your messages, however it is you want to get a hold of me and let me know what you would like to see me cover in part two of this or if there's anything that you would like to hear more of and for me to expound on. And as always, you can grab all of the show notes and share this with people in your life. And that is all at melissaknorris.com forward slash 170. And I hope to see you over on the YouTube channel as well. Bye for now.